0: Welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, we speak with Christiana Rixon about the Right Now campaign. Christiana is the head of policy over at the Association of Chief Executives of Voluntary Organisations, otherwise known as akivo and this is a membership body for the leaders of third sector organisations in England and Wales. We talk about how the charity sector has had some support from the government already, Since the COVID-19 pandemic hit the UK, we discussed the pandemic and the impact it's already had both on society and charities. We recorded this a few days ago in early February 2021 at a time where vaccines have been developed and deployed, but we're all living in lockdown still. Many people are losing their jobs and the UK infection rate is still very high. We don't know where we are in the pandemic at the moment. It could be the middle, hopefully it's towards the end. But one thing is clear, the charity sector is struggling to deliver for the increasing numbers of people and the causes that need their support. The Right Now campaign has come at a crucial time, so let's hear more about it. This episode is brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Charity People. And without further ado, here is my chat with Christiana Vixen. I'm delighted to be joined by Christiana Rickson, Head of Policy at Akivo. Christiana, welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. So we're recording in February 2021 for our our future listeners who listen back to this. Almost a year into the COVID-19 pandemic here in the UK. What was your background before the pandemic and what have you been doing over the last year?
1: Um, So I've been head of policy at Akivo since 2016. So Akivo is a membership body for charity chief executives. Prior to that I mean my background is largely voluntary sector anyway Um, used to work for a charity that supported people who've been victims of crime and in particular victims of stalking and then my other kind of hats I wear at the moment I'm Trustee of the Equality Trust, a uh, very proud trustee, uh, and I also, uh, during lockdown, started a um, community group to improve our local park. And so, since the pandemic started, in terms of the work we've been doing at Akivo, it feels it feels strange, like you say, to say it's twelve months when it feels like like time, like like we were saying before we started that time's moved so fast and so slowly simultaneously Mm. but um we mobilized kind of with other charity infrastructure and membership bodies you know I think fairly quickly so we started having weekly meetings I think the week before the first national lockdown was announced talking about what the impact might be of Mm. of both on in terms of the impact of the of the virus itself on people who would catch it and and may um you know, pass away from it and may have long term problems with it, but also on the on the voluntary sector and its capacity to respond to those needs, because, you know, obviously, once you lock down, which is absolutely right and necessary, but things need to, you know, things that charities rely on to bring in money, like big events like the marathon, for example, which was understandably cancelled. And, you know, tea mornings and coffee mornings and things that, that, you know, the public really generously brings in to support our work that was cancelled and a lot of charities I think maybe outside the charity sector might not know as as much as well a lot of charities bring in their own income so Mm. through renting spaces or selling their training and and that income has been kind of hit as well so thinking about how we match that you know that depletion in income at the same time that there's going to be a sharp rise in demand So we've done a a number of things around that. We did a campaign, Everyday Counts, which resulted in the government announcing 750 million for the voluntary sector. And then we've also kind of done a lot of work liaising with the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport, which has responsibility for the charity sector Mm -hmm. and other government departments to um, talk about the kind of how to make some of the policies that they'd put in place to support organisations during COVID more charity friendly or charity appropriate things like um the business intervention loans and the job retention scheme and things
0: like that. sure sure and and do you remember back in kind of March April with were, were there were you being approached by your members, your kind of CEOs of charities, was the view that it was going to be a short term thing or was there was there kind of immediate panic about how things were going to be changing?
1: I think there was so much uncertainty at the time. I mean I know from an Akivo perspective we Um, decided fairly early on that we would postpone our annual conference which was in November so there was some level of understanding that um, there was going to be a long-term impact Mm. but I think you know I I speak for myself more in this sense I think I've been shocked that the lockdown has carried on for as long as it has so I think the strictness of the measures that are still in place um, and and again necessarily in place Mm is it is, is a surprise and also means that perhaps some of the stuff we were thinking about in the beginning around the short-term needs and the short-term solutions and that's one of the reasons we're doing right now is because some originally we were thinking well if we lock down hard lockdown now for 12 weeks how you know there might start to be some period of, of slow growth afterwards but clearly you know the, the prolonged lockdown means that charity finances have been harder hit for longer which again in turn more importantly means that the work that we're trying to do is is hard it's harder to be able to continue it or scale up to meet the demand so yeah I keep I keep thinking that it's it's my daughter's seventh birthday coming up next month and the first real uh lockdown like you know, the thing that hit you when you went, oh, this is quite serious, and I think everybody's got one. I, well, most people do, was when I had to cancel my daughter's sixth birthday party. Oh, it was a week before, like it, we, the lockdown, national lockdown was announced about ten days before, and we we cancelled it. Oh. And I remember saying to her, "Don't worry, in the summer when your brother, when it's your brother's birthday, we'll do this massive joint birthday party together. It will be lovely." And now she's going to be seven next month and I'm thinking she probably won't get a seventh birthday party either. So when I think of it like that, it's obviously been a long time.
0: We've got a two year old and he is, he's very good. We are taking him on lots of walks throughout the pandemic and still do when we can. But it's interesting because he's learned on his own, really, that when other people are coming, you know, he stands yeah. off in the undergrowth. You know, he gets right off the path and he stands out. And I just thought how sad that is that, uh, you know, that's that's one aspect of it. It's a small thing, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things. But it uh, it certainly does show that, you know, things have changed quite dramatically, haven't they?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I similarly, my son is um, three. He was two when lockdown started. And again, now I'm saying, oh, he's two when it started. Then he turned three and now he's almost four. So actually, you know, for a a tiny person, that's a big chunk of their life. And he will say things like, you know, my daughter said the other day, when can we go and see nanny and granddad again? And Mm. my three-year-old said, not until COVID has gone, Daira. And I was like, oh my gosh, (sighs) like a three-year-old who's able to, you know, he obviously hears that from us and he's repeating back what he hears, but I Mm. wish he didn't have that language in his vocabulary. And I think, you know, again, when I think about, you know, the role of charities and in helping children who, and my kids are really lucky, you know, in terms of, yeah, well, it's not luck, it's privilege. You know, they, they, you know, we have a stable income, like we're fortunate not to have been hit by other half works in the public sector. You know, we have secure home and, uh, you know, a lot of people have insecure housing or homelessness. Mm. So, and we've got digital devices that they can use to access kind of homeschooling. But I think their emotional health has still been hit, you yeah. know, somewhat. And and I think it's going to be civil society that steps in and helps children. What, those that obviously have struggled far more than mine, but all children, they'll, they'll be there for who have really, you know, who've adopted this language, like, you know, around the pandemic and step aside when they see strangers coming yeah. and feel less confident about the world around them. Mm. Yes, but it's hard.
0: Many of our listeners will know uh, what the charities they support have been doing over the past year, but could you give us a rundown of what the voluntary sector as a whole has been doing to respond to the pandemic?
1: And one of the reasons we're doing kind of right now, and it's, it's a broad campaign, is to really highlight the breadth and depth of what the voluntary sector does. I think, as you say, like, lots of people have really strong connections with the charities that they have relationships with. But I think, again, you, speaking from just my perspective of explaining my job to my family and friends and what the voluntary sector does sometimes it's it's not known just how kind of how big their role is so there's anything from you know supporting with with food banks and clothing and helping people making sure people who are homeless don't aren't on the streets and then there's the kind of indirect impact of COVID as well. So you know, there's been increases of reports in domestic abuse, for example. So people at the um, National Domestic Abuse Helpline have seen a huge uptake in calls. There has been understandably services that provide bereavement support are getting, uh, you know, there's more people wanting access to their services. And, you know, now we're talking about vaccination, you know, charities, especially local voluntary organisations are often playing a really pivotal role like they did at the beginning of the lockdown in terms of of, of kind of coordinating between local authorities or coordinate food and medicine responses. They're doing similarly in terms of making sure the vaccine rollout goes smoothly. So it's it's a huge array of things that sort of the analogy, I was like swan's feet moving quickly underwater trying yeah. to make sure that everybody's getting what they need.
0: And there's so much need, isn't there? In terms at all all levels of society, there seems to be a need, and there's anxiety, and there's well-being, and all of these other things that the voluntary sector has the kind of experience to tackle. Once we get through uh, COVID nineteen, what will the voluntary sector's role be in building back from from the restrictions we've faced and from all of these challenges that people have faced? Do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think some of it will be quite similar. I think to what's happening now in the terms that of- when lockdown restrictions ease some of it will be very similar to what's happening now because there's still going to be a huge amount of trauma for people no. you know i think thinking like we've talked about the emo- the uh, mental health and the emotional impact that's that's not going to stop because lockdown has eased the people who are kind of i think the predictions are that unemployment will continue to rise for most of this year before it starts to stable uh, stabilize and, and before we get to a period of growth. So it's going to be a lot longer period where people will be needing support because their circumstances mean that they need some extra help. And then there's another there's the other kind of side of it. I was listening to Channel 4 News last night, and I think he's Conservative MP, Robert Halfon, was talking about, the, he's the chair of the Education Select Committee, and he was talking about what happens when restrictions ease and that uh, some people are asking that school days get longer, for example. And he was saying, well, if school days get longer, then it should be with things like clubs and support that civil society could come in and offer to children to kind of fill that gap and help address that kind of mental health and emotional support need that's there. And, you know, and I was thinking that sounds like a really interesting idea and I'm sure loads of charities would be really interested in finding out how they could support that. But the reality is at the moment that many charities might not be able to open their doors when lockdown restrictions ease because they haven't been able to access existing financial support or the money that they were initially offered has to be spent by the March 31st. In some examples, when we know the impact is going to go on longer than that. So I think there's a huge role for civil society to play in supporting people with the impacts of COVID and also in just building, when people talk about building back better, in building the kind of society we all want to live in. Mm-hmm. The role of the voluntary sector I think is huge in that, but we have to be there in order to play our part. And that's what we're asking the government to do at the moment is to, to through right now, is saying, please you know, give us some help to make sure that we can continue to be there For the people that we support for as long as is necessary and needed
0: since march 2020 the government has provided assistance to employers including charities with the coronavirus job retention scheme also known as the furlough scheme and back in april 2020 they announced 750 million pounds of funding for the sector Why does the sector need further support from the government?
1: The 750 million was really welcome and it got out to a number of charities, but there are many, many more who didn't get any money from that initial allocation because the amount the sector has lost in the last 12 months far exceeds 750 million. And there's been research done on that to put the figure closer to 10 billion. And so... What we're asking for now is the support that would mean that charities can continue to provide the work that they've been doing, you know, throughout the last 12 months and preceding that, that they can respond to any increased demand that there may be out there. And that those charities who maybe have had to kind of close their doors and not open, for example, you know, it might have been harder for community centres to open in the in this period. But when lockdown eases, we want them to be able to open their doors at the same time. Shops can open their doors and restart services because they've had to pay bills this whole time. You know, there's been bills that they've had to pay without the income or the grants to support them. So this is about asking government to fund those things in society that we value the most. And I do believe that people value the things that civil society offers from the when we're in a period of difficulty ourselves and we might turn to a charity if our children want to join a club and they join Scouts or Girl Guides which are both charities the RNLI is a charity you know many of our air ambulances are charities and many hospice care is charity run as well so we are asking the government right now to support charities so that they can continue to be there for the people and the causes that they care about now and in the future.
0: And I think there's a good case to be had there as well if we needed to convince the government to invest more money into the sector now when it's needed the most. You know, there's the civil society almanac 2020 which looks at the um contribution the sector made to the economy in 2019. I think it was 18.2 billion. That went into the economy because of mm. um because of the charity sector voluntary sector and so uh and as you say you know with this increased need that the covid19 pandemic is creating and also the opportunity to um to step up and, and make some substantial changes to the inequalities we've seen that have kind of been highlighted by the pandemic it, it sounds like uh it'd be a it'd be a tough case to uh, to say no we shouldn't invest more in the in the sector although i guess i'm biased but
1: well i'm i'm biased too so i would agree with you um but you know you're right on the figures so the 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 voluntary sector contributes huge amounts to gdp and i think even bigger than 18 billion when you take into account the voluntary contribution the contributions of volunteers nationally
0: what is the right now campaign and what is it setting out to achieve
1: so right now is about shining a light on a breadth and depth of the work that charities do with the people and in the communities that they care about so that's the, f- the first part so we're encouraging people to kind of go online and say what they're doing right now as part of the voluntary sector and say what they're up to and to kind of raise awareness about that the second part of it is asking the government to provide support right now to ensure that that work can continue so that we can continue to be there we can continue to respond to the crisis and respond to the increase in inequality that that we've seen and the struggles that people are experiencing through the increase in use of food banks for example or the increase in domestic abuse or the mental health challenges that are being talked about a lot and but also kind of looking forward and and looking at a vision of the country we want to build a vision of who we want to be as a country after covid is over and in, in my vision of a country uh, that that i'm proud of there is a thriving voluntary sector that looks after our parks and that offers clubs to our kids and is there for us when we need it to help us and support us to live independently and live the way we want it's there to protect our rights um i think it's such an important part of what makes the people in this country and you know internationally as well the role of the international sector it's it's part of what makes us all brilliant and I really would love to see that valued by making sure it can continue for as long as possible.
0: I think we've got so much so many things to be proud of as a sector haven't we the and I, I suppose it, it all hinges on the support that we get from the public which I think is sometimes mischaracterized and and certainly the the seeing the likes of the kind of Marcus Rashfords and the Captain Sir Tom Moore and uh, and all of these individuals that are raising funds, and then you know the, the kind of work that the charities that the NHS are doing and all these kind of institutions. I think uh, charities can can be seen in those terms too, in some cases, that there's ongoing work to to kind of better society and, and support groups of people both here and abroad and that's that's really as you say something to be proud of and there's also I guess one of the things that the sector doesn't always seem to be great at is highlighting how vital our work is and I guess there might be an element of modesty sometimes or perhaps a lack of resources to do so but the extent of the work that's being done by volunteers and and the voluntary sector as a whole could certainly do with some uh, some shouting about especially in the context of requiring and requesting more support for this vital work at the most vital of times
1: i agree with you and i think that there's a role for the charity sector as well and this is a role that i'm incredibly passionate about Mm. campaigning for change and for creating permanent change so there are some charities that exist that would like that as as charitable institutions, they would like not to exist and their kind of aim is around essentially doing themselves out of business and they campaign to, to do that. So with, you know, mm. food banks, for example, I think the Trussell Trust have recently launched a campaign around, you know, making sure that nobody ever needs food parcels that ends food poverty. And, and I think sometimes what is harder to do and perhaps, you know, organisations like Kibo need to get better at doing is to talk about the complexity of a sector. So like you said, there's all this stuff around mm. public generosity and being connected to other people that I think charities offer us like a, fe- a feeling of meaning and purpose. There there's also the the kind of harder edge of charities, which is around campaigning for change and saying that the status quo isn't good enough at the moment and being very clear about that and saying that needs to that needs to change we need to change that law. There's an injustice in the way this is delivered. Um and that is equally as important. And then there's another part of the charity sector which is around I think the role of us as citizens and how we connect with each other outside of the state and outside of the public sector. And that's stuff like I think community groups and youth groups in particular. And all of that exists within the charity sector. All of that exists within civil society and it's it, it does all merge together. I often think that some of the terms like beneficiaries and donor and staff, they can be quite unhelpful purely because it implies that you can only ever be one thing. Whereas I know in my life that, you know, I've been a, I've been a volunteer at multiple charities. I, I, I have a standing donation, so I'm a fundraiser or a donor. I work at a charity and I have benefited from countless charities in, in my life. You know, when I've needed them, they've been there. And I think that most people would be able to say the same thing, that it is a mix of what makes us individual. And that's why we feel so connected to charity and that's why we feel so passionate about them.
0: How can the sector support the Right Now campaign?
1: So we'd love for you to get involved by telling us what, what you're doing right now. So the hashtag will be right now on social media. We have produced some social media graphics, which you can use and a toolkit, which you can download, which are available on the Never More Needed website, which is www.nmn.org.uk. Um, so NMM standing for Never More Needed. That helps uh, to remember it. Uh, We're also doing a big letter to the Prime Minister to ask him to support an emergency support fund to help the voluntary sector. And that's also available on that website. So please take a look. and, And if you'd like to add your name, we would really welcome it. And then keep an eye on how we progress during the day. I mean, also, if you would be willing to, to talk about your experiences as a charitable organisation. So the work you've been doing during COVID or what you hope to do in the future, we'd love to talk to you about potentially telling your story through the media. So get in touch via the website as well.
0: And this is all kicking off. This is all happening on the seventeenth of February. Yep,
1: yeah, this is all kicking off, as you say, on the seventeenth of February. But we hope to continue it beyond that in terms of continuing to generate support for for the asks around for government, mm. but also to to use the hashtag to generate content, which I know is a bit a jargony word, isn't it? But to generate, you know, images and examples and stories of of the work and the people and the causes which are the important part of the sector
0: fantastic it sounds like a fantastic campaign charity chat will certainly be be doing those things on the 17th of February as well and uh, yeah just say Christiana Vixen thank you for contributing to charity chat
1: thank you so much for having me Sam
0: big thank you there to Christiana Rickson for contributing to Charity Chat. We hope to speak with her and her Akivo colleagues again. There are so many reasons why government financial support of the charity sector is both necessary and deserved. We've spoken before with the likes of Andrew Perkis OBE and Deborah Alcock-Tyler about the place of civil society within the response to the pandemic and how the work of many charities can be deemed as essential to the effective running of the country and maintenance and development of our society. One thing that struck me when speaking with Christiana was that the Right Now campaign comes at a time when so many of the charities we know and love are fighting to stay alive themselves, while also still fighting to help others stay alive in some cases. The notion that challenges we face at the moment are not only a formidable threat, but also a barrier... That we must find a way of overcoming in a way that launches a progression in how our society operates it's been noted before that our national health service our nhs was born out of the post-world war ii reforms that recognized the great sacrifice and demand for a better and fairer society than existed prior to the start of that war now we face a pandemic a war on an invisible enemy a global war made all the more destructive by the poor health of our society, the inequality, the poverty and the division. We rely heavily on our National Health Service, but also on thousands of charities and groups too. Many lives have been lost and many more have been made worse off than before. If now is a time to triage our wounded society, when this war is over, when the pandemic is beaten, what reforms could be made to recognise the sacrifice that has been made? Could this be done by setting in motion an era where virtues are championed over competition between individuals? At the heart of any progress for a better society of fairness and civility is our charity sector. We're asking the government to recognise the unique position that the sector holds in providing support now and being able to provide further support in the future for those who need it most in our society. So, dear listener, please do support the Right Now campaign wherever you are. Let it be a beacon that leads us to work more closely together and shine a light on the vocation that our sector has in making a better world. So, thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear from you either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors, our platinum sponsor, charity people for enabling us to share insights expertise and best practice across our sector giant squid audio lab for sponsoring our podcast kit magda Axmit for our beautiful website do check it out at charitychat.org.uk forest of fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now that's it from me keep on doing what you can cheerio bye-bye